We're a little disenchanted by the menu in Slumberland, but a trip to Nebworth will get us spirited in Armageddon time for a confession by Fletch. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. So then, welcome back to the show, and we are starting with some brand new movies out this week, as we do every week. So, first up, Apple TV Plus, out today, we're going to talk about Spirited. Yes, yeah, Spirited. This is an odd one. Did you did you get sent a screener for this one? I think you, you got sent a, a link to the watch this one yourself, didn't you, Adam? This is the new Christmas movie with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Yes, I did get the link. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so I'm relying on you to tell me all about it today because, unfortunately, that's the pitfalls of having a son that you need to look after. <laughs> oh, oh, those kids, those pesky kids. So, <laughs> latest from latest from Sean Anders, comedy director who's been involved in various mainstream, like sort of Adam Sandler-ish kind of Judd Apatow-adjacent films over the last sort of decade. Uh, I think he was uh, most heavily involved in We're the Millers with Jason Sudeikis. I've not looked that up, but I think that's the case. Uh, which is a film I quite like, so I'm biased to like Sean Anders. This effectively plays as Elf meets, to use its own parlance, quote, that Bill Murray movie, meaning 1988's Richard Donner directed Scrooged, the the movie my mother and I watch every Christmas Eve, like, without fail. But uh, So it's a combination of those two films. It's a combination of my mother's favourite Christmas movie and my sister's favourite Christmas movie, Elf. In See, Elf's my favourite Christmas movie. Elf is awesome. Like it's, I think that's probably yeah. the last. It's, it's that, and I love actually. I think of the last two iconic Christmas movies that we've had into yeah. the pantheon. Um, in this case, around what you get is Will Ferrell is in that same way that Buddy the Elf was kind of like Christmas personified. He is the ghost of Christmas of Christmas present, and the idea is that all the ghosts are real, and every year on Christmas Eve they find a new mark that they've spent the year like investigating CIA style. And they give them the Christmas Carol experience using all the supernatural powers and everything of Dickens's A Christmas Carol. You know, the whole thing is they find a complete scumbag and they have Christmas Eve to turn them. Effectively, they find someone worse and worse every year. And by this one particular year, by the present day, Will Ferrell's Ghost of Christmas Present has kind of had enough with this. It's all so unfulfilling. What's the point? And he happens upon the ultimate scumbag Mark, who's played by Ryan Reynolds, who is like the ultimate spin doctor, like to the extent where he will rig a presidential election in the favour of the alt-right as with as exactly as much gusto as he will bolster the public image of a clothing line that uses sweatshop labor for instance but he's ryan reynolds so he's sexy and cool so we have to reform him and that's the idea will farrell wants to reform the unreformable or to use the film's own parlance the quote unredeemable and you'll hear this is him literally bargaining for the chance to do so with patrick page patrick page who is effectively the jacob marley of this story but if I could just change this guy, maybe I'll... What? Maybe you're what? Oh, no. No. There's no need for a whole big number here. No. No spotlight. Gary, kill the... Sp Every day I wake up with a single dream running through my head. Look, I have another meeting I'm actually late for. To throw a tiny stone into a mighty stream and watch the ripples as they spread. Redeeming an unredeemable is nearly impossible. But if you promise to stop singing, 
You can have your pop. Oh, really? Great. Thank you. That's that's quite reasonable. Thanks, Gary. We're good. You're right on the queue. Guys, he said yes. Let's get to work. I see totally what you mean with the whole Alf reference because he's almost got a very similar character. Obviously, not the same character, but you can hear it in in his character. You can, can't you? It's total elf energy, isn't it? Like, it, yeah. it is Buddy the Elf energy that he's bringing to this. And obviously, we're a bit more attuned to that this year, thanks to Asda and the Christmas advert. So we're a bit more exposed to Buddy the Elf than usual this year. Um, right, I liked this. For the most part, I really liked this. It is straddling that line between wanting to be elf, wanting to be Scrooge, but also trying to find something contemporary to sit on in the middle. And the problem is that contemporary middle ground turns out to be very traditional old-school Broadway song and dance in which we're using old-school staging, like even double-tier and triple-tier sets, uh, Broadway style, but we've not really evolved the filmmaking passes. It's something I had with that Disney Plus uh, staging of Hamilton last year, which is, I wish yeah. you had gone a bit more cinematic with this. Like, I wish the musicals didn't rely on, literally, you're sat there in the audience, we're going to do a musical, involve me in that musical. Like, make the camera part of that musical. And I felt like that was a huge thing that was missing, particularly with, and, and the energy you yourself have just picked up on that Buddy the Elf energy. Like, go with that. Have fun with that. I felt like Elf was a better musical than this. And Elf didn't actually contain any musical numbers, which is weird when you think about it. And yet Elf yeah. involved you in its story so much more. The problem is when it gets to the glee elements, it, it kind of just wimps out and it just sits you back in the pews and, and it's Guy Ritchie's Aladdin again. Everything's in mid, you know, medium shot. And it's kind of dull. Um, the, the, the pair of them, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Will Ferrell, exactly as fun together as you would imagine. Like we've seen them across paths over the years. Very much exactly as fun as you'd imagine. Um, Ryan Reynolds, maybe a bit. I maybe would have cast them the other way around. Because I feel like oh, Will really? Ferrell kind of played more convincingly as someone that would shill for the alt-right than the charm factory that is Ryan Reynolds, perhaps? Like, maybe? It's, it's, like, it's very difficult to buy Ryan Reynolds as a scumbag. I'm just going to say, he's he's too nice. Like, yeah, Will yeah. Ferrell convincingly played George W. Bush, so I feel like he could do that. Anyway, um, great supporting cast as well in there with uh, Octavia Spencer, who I, I, I like a lot in this as well. But of course, big shout out to Tracy Jordan as the ghost of Christmas yet to come, I think. And it's just always nice to, to see Tracy Jordan, or hear Tracy Jordan in this case, back on screen. I will say it's not Scrooged, but it was never going to be because nothing can be Scrooged. Um, and it's not Elf because nothing can be Elf again. But it's a good solid Christmas movie. It's streaming freely on Apple TV Plus uh, from today. And do you know what? There's a couple of good musical, like, catchy tunes in there that do get, you know, properly reprised. Yeah, that do get stuck in your head. So I will say, musical fans, you will enjoy this. I just wish it was a bit more inventive, that it wasn't quite as long, and maybe that it was a bit funnier than it is. Because it the does question feel like is, a sort really, of three star one. Did it make you want to put the Christmas tree up? <laughs> uh, not quite. I, 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 I maybe want Ryan Reynolds' as uh, Santa Claus leather jacket. I will say. <laughs> okay, brilliant. All right, so a good movie, a bit two-dimensional for you maybe, but, you know, Apple TV out today. Let's move on. So this is in cinemas from today. Confess Fletch. Do you remember Fletch and, and Fletch Lives? Uh, sorry, Fletch, Fletch, not Fletch Lives. Oh, there was a second one. There was there was Fletch and there was a second Fletch, and they both starred Chevy Chase. Do you remember this in the eighties? No, no, no. You no, grow up on young. these. 
There was a phase in the mid to late 80s when every goddamn vaguely comedic actor alive fancied their fra- fancied their chances at some sort of imagined franchise built out of detective noir comedies. And we had Chevy Chase doing Fletch. We had uh, John Candy doing uh, Who's Harry Crumb, I think it was. And you had my personal favourite, uh, Kathleen Turner as V.I. Wachowski. Oh, props, Kathleen. We miss you on screen. Oh, God, I miss that woman. Just in every movie. Um... Big fan of Undercover Blues. Matt Stanley Tucci. I had to shout that one out to him. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Fletch was the, was the Chevy Chase one. For three decades, three, four decades even now, they have been trying to revive this series. And you will now wonder precisely the question I did, which was, why? So, oh, no. John Hamm from Mad Men. You know that guy who they just they keep putting him in movies and just nothing seems to take hold. He's the Gabriel yeah. Mucked of post-cable shows. Um, he is now Fletch. Um, E.M. E. Fletch. Erwin Maurice. Sorry, I.M. Fletch. Erwin Maurice Fletch, who's part-time journalist, part-time private detective. This time finds himself... He's in the present day this time. Finds himself uh, getting framed for murder and winds up having to set out, clear his own name, interspersed with this are flashbacks to his relationship uh, in Italy several months previous and how that may or may not tie in and it's his girlfriend's dad who is intrinsically involved with the case and all the way all the long it's it's the chevy chase routine of he is smarter than everyone else in the room and he's gonna make you know it through very put on 80s style plays on dialogue have a listen and believe me when i tell you this is nailing the tone my father's paintings were stolen the picasso was appraised at 20 million dollars well it hardly seems worth stealing you're not a detective. But I was an investigative reporter. It's an occupation that's been cheapened by the digital age, like president. Earl Maurice Fletcher. They caught me in the middle of a yawn. Can you imagine that? Who killed this young woman? I think the victim interrupted an art theft. Your fingerprints are on the murder weapon, and someone matching your description was seen with the victim. Come back with me to police headquarters. I get it. You want my help? Okay. Hey, guys, this is the way we can call in a coffee or a kill for a macchiato. Do you know, listening to that clip, it's got a very Ocean's Eleven soundtrack to it going on in the background there. They're pushing for that because that's about the only contemporary frame of reference for a modern audience that you could probably could latch onto. Uh, the problem is it, it just doesn't work. Like, John Hamm, yet again, is miscast. Now, I can't figure this one out because... As far as I understood it, 10 years ago, we accidentally landed on this on a very early try in the movie Bridesmaids, in which the technique was established to simply cast him as the arsehole. He's brilliant as the arsehole. Just do that. (laughs) And the problem is, ever since, they've tried to do everything but. And here, there's like 10% of arsehole, and the rest of it is just Chevy Chase. Like, the rest of it is just do an impersonation of Chevy Chase, but with an extra 10% arsehole. And the result is just a smarmy git that you don't enjoy watching. And it's exactly as uninvolving as all of these attempts or all of these movies for all of these decades has turned out to be. Like, it's exactly as uninvolving as V.I. Wachowski, Who's Harry Crumb, or the first two Fletch movies were, which is to say, look unless you're willing to put up with some really problematic humour and a little bit of boredom. 
you're not going to make it through this. Shout out to a couple of key players who do seem to get the turn. Like Roy Wood Jr., for, who most of us would know from The Daily Show. He's hitting his stride here. Like, this is working really well. Like, he's getting some of that Ed Helms heyday kind of kind yeah. of mileage out of this as well. Lorenza Iso, who plays uh, uh, Fletcher's sort of a love interest in this as well. She's good fun as well. She seems to be getting it. But look, John Hamm is just playing this too laid back. John Slattery, though, weirdly also from Mad Men and also played his bestie in Mad Men as well. He seems to get the turn. Everyone in this seems to get it except John Hamm, who has shown up to be John Hamm with a little bit of Chevy Chase in there. And it's really frustrating because, oh my God, I would have loved to have seen a Fletch movie work in the 21st century, but goddamn, it works about as poorly as it did in the 20th. And by that, I do mean two decades before the end of the 20th. Past its sell-by date, stale popcorn, nil poire, boo, no. And I was on its side from the get-go. Well, that's a shame. It could have been good, but sadly not then. Confess, Fletch, cinemas from today. Um, (laughs) Well, stay right there. We're going to be back very soon with something I'm really looking forward to hearing your views on. I was meant to watch it this week. Again, so busy. Haven't had a chance. I will be watching it, though. Liam Gallagher's Nebworth 22 review and Armageddon time as well. So stay right there. So we are back and sticking with brand new movies out this week. So I am very excited to hear your views on this one. Liam Gallagher's Nebworth 2022. Um, well, what did you think? Well, I mean, I will say, I mean, it was an, it was an accurate recreation of what it would have been like to be at Nebworth 2022 because, you know, the, the, it's very cold at the moment. I was freezing my arse off in my flat, <laughs> had the link on, and, uh, and, and I got to watch a literal minute for minute. Like, it's just a full chronicle of the, you know, the Liam Gallagher concert from Nebworth. Um, I didn't realise this about it in advance. Now, you probably will have known this, but I'm always surprised whenever we... And we had a taste of this, actually, with the Liam Gallagher So It Was documentary about a year ago. I think you and I reviewed it uh, about a year ago. And we we had a bit of a taste of this, which is that he still covers, he still does Oasis songs as part of his general day-to-day live repertoire. And I had forgotten this until I watched this concert movie. A solid 50-sodding percent of which is made up of Oasis songs. And it's very strange because he keeps talking all the way through about um, he's, about how you, you don't go back. You know, people don't say you don't go back to Nebworth. Well, I do. But then he goes back to Nebworth and does a lot of the Oasis tracks. Oh. Well, you say 50% was filled with Oasis mm. songs, but did you know he wanted yeah. more, but Noel Gallagher would not sign off more of the Oasis songs and stopped him from being allowed to put them on this, uh, this um, I guess, DVD, movie, whatever you want to call oh. it, the, uh, the Chronicles of the Gig. So there would have been more. Did he, did he actually perform them, though? I have interest, because you would know. He performed, he perform? yeah. He performed yeah, them. yeah, he performed. Yeah, but Noel Gallagher went, they're not going, they're not going in, in, this, uh, in this Chronicle. Yeah, knowing Noel, it was probably, yeah, you're crap in that one, so no. <laughs> yeah, anyway, exactly, exactly. just take my word for it. We'll, do it. we'll let Liam himself, in his own words, from this documentary, kind of nicely sum up the only autobiographical bits you get to this, because it really is a concert movie with a bit of voiceover for about a minute and a half at the beginning and about a minute and a half at the end, which is recorded literally just over the same uninterrupted footage um there is a second part of the documentary is the like the making of and the behind the scenes but believe me 
does feel like the baking of a concept video. So have a listen, see if this is up your alley. I think, it, I think this will be right up your alley, Adam. Have a listen. Now it's big, Debs. What are you trying to do with me? It's going to come on your nose, thing. Yeah, I saw that. It's massive. If you were watching yourself, where would you watch in the field? Oh, I'd be at the bar, mate. They're getting just going, check him out over there. I've heard people go, oh, you never go back to Nebworth. Once it's done, it's done. It's like, well, I do. I could totally imagine what most of those bleeps yep. were. Um, but, you know, that says it all, really. I'd be at the bar. I mean, that is that is the typical personality that we all have come to know and love of Liam Gallagher. He He's a party animal. He loves doing what he does. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? You can't really condemn or approve of this. I mean, it's a basic bitch you know, concept movie. It, it is what it is. It's one for the Liam Gallagher fans. And if you're, you know, if you're if you're down with Liam Gallagher's general vibe and attitude, then yeah, cool, this will be for you, you know? If that clip sent you recoiling behind your sofa in terror, then obviously do not give this the time of day. Um, I personally kind of sit on the middle, like I'm more of a Noel guy. I think that Noel was the brains of the outfit personally, and Liam was kind of lucky to be there, but that's just my own personal. And I'm aware that you and I could probably <laughs> start a pub fight over this if we really want it's one of those things yeah. isn't it it's 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 like one of the age-old arguments and it's, it's an argument that only men over a certain age even have it's kind of like saying oasis or blur you know no one under 35 has ever had that argument but you know you can still you know literally get yourself killed in certain parts of manchester i believe for having exactly that conversation yeah i think you'll enjoy this um to be honest with you, if, if you're willing to just ride that Oasis nostalgia wave, then there's enough in here that's going to happen. I will say, I think it's not a patch on the Oasis Nebworth 96 documentary, which again, you and I reviewed. We just review Oasis documentaries, you and I, don't we? It's like, oh, we do. We just. Yeah, I like, think that's, you know, movies it goes is just a saying. thing that happen in between <laughs> Oasis documentaries for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, no, I mean, I, I can't wait to watch it. You know, I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm a massive Liam Gallagher fan. Um, I think Oasis wouldn't have happened if either of them were out of the equation. I think Noel is credited for the songs because, as we know, he wrote 99% of them. But without yeah. Liam's voice, I don't believe Oasis would have got to where they got to. That's it, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a John and Paul argument, yeah. but only if one of them is Ringo. You know what I mean? It, that, that's kind of how the that's kind of how the equation works. In my, if, if Ringo liked to start fights, you know, it's kind of like that. But anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about Armageddon time because I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're getting to a certain time of year, Mr. Ball. It's coming up to awards season. And oh, awards yeah. season means certain tropes, baby. It means we're going to see certain things we don't see the rest of the year. So get ready. For some period piece coming of age dramas, baby. Oh yes, oh. this only happens this time of year, and they're always based on the nostalgia of certain writer directors who happen to have reached around the fifty-ish mark. You know, white guys who've reached that time in life where they want to start getting nostalgic. I think last year we had Paul W. S. Anderson's version. We had Licorice Pizza. We also had Ken Branagh's version with Belfast. You know, they all like to do this every few years. Um, Spielberg's doing this next with Meet the Fablemans, which I think might be out this award season this is the one where uh, Seth Rogen is literally playing Spielberg's fictional version of his oh, oh I like yeah. Seth he's good he's good yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but you know what? You don't have to sit around and wait for the boring-ass Spielberg version. Oh, no, no. Why bother when you could have the version of James Gray, the man who brought you Ad Astra? 
yes, that James Gray. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was I was riveted by that concept. So um, just to quote the uh, IMDb plot listing, because I like to give these things the credit they they are due. A deeply personal coming of age story about the strength of family and the generational pursuits of the American dream. That's right. Wow. Welcome to award season, baby. Don't just say stuff about other kids. Like what? Well, don't say bad words about the black kids. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. And, uh, what do you do when that happens? Come on, tell me. Obviously nothing, of course. Nothing, of course, yeah. You think that's funny? You think that's smart? I'll tell you what I think. I think that's a crock of old horse I said the bad words. You got a problem with that? Tough. I'm going to tell you now, you've got to do something. You've got to say something, okay? Do you know why? Because you're on the ball, right? Come on, man. You raised better than that. I've got to say, with a title like Armageddon yep. Time, it is completely the opposite kind of movie that I was would have expected. Yeah, so this stars uh, Banks Repeater, uh, who are a not young actor I'd seen before. I felt like I knew him from somewhere, um, who plays what's clearly meant to be the young parable of James Gray. And this is in, like, sort of 1980. And this is entirely sort of centering around his relationship with his black schoolmates, which I think that's meant to be the plot because it kind of loses its focus and then becomes about his relationship with his grandfather and it loses its focus and becomes about his relationship with his I can see why the actors would come on board for this because it sounds like you know potential awards fodder and believe mm. me that's all it's good for because this is one of those film that abs- films that absolute cardigan wearing toe rag critics far more pompous than myself will fall over themselves in a race to be the first to slap five stars on no member of the public will ever pay to see it and every single one of us including you and i and every one of those pompous toe rag cardian wearing five star sporting critics will all have forgotten it exists by march when the last oscar has been handed out and this wins nothing because we do this Every year now. No, I'm sorry. Having last year's best actor winning, which, let's be honest, is roulette, because it's within a year. They couldn't have planned it. No, 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 sorry. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to fly. This is far too slapdash put together, and I'm sorry, done the same year that Spielberg's doing it. I mean, come on. Why? Mm. You wouldn't try out the same year like Shaq came out of retirement, would you? Would you? Like, that's just the dumbest idea ever. (laughs) That's just the dumbest idea. But but yeah, cool. So basically what you're saying here is it was literally made just for awards season and failed on all fronts. It's just so by the numbers. Even every performance is just so paint by numbers, fill in the void. Do the head nod at the right moment. Quiver your lip just at that point in the sky. Everything fine, the rhythm. We know where this is going to go. Why are we doing this again? There's a, there's a, a, a famous theology part of Battlestar Galactica. All of this has been done before and all of it will happen again. And believe me, it's something that rings through your mind over and over and over as you're, as you're watching Armageddon Time, which I, I presume is in reference to the, the song by The Clash. And believe me, is an insult to the memory of The Clash by doing that. So no, avoid this one like the play. Good God, forget this one exists because you will have by March. Okay, well, on that note, 
that bombshell. Uh, we're going to be back pretty soon with the new Disenchanted on Disney+. Plus. That's out today. And also The Menu, which is out in cinemas today as well. So stay right where you are. We'll be back in a minute. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Whenever you're listening to us, we are back and we're sticking with some more brand new movies out this week. It's all brand new movies, really, because there's so many of them. So we are going to start with Disenchanted, Disney Plus, out today. Uh, So explain for anyone who has absolutely no idea what Disenchanted is about. What's the premise on this one? Well, this is a sequel. Do you remember Enchanted? I think this was about 2007, 2008. This was the thing Just. that actually made... Yeah, it, this is the thing that made Amy Adams a name. Mm. <clears throat> this was her breakout role. And then, of course, Amy Adams since has sort of gone on more to dramas and things like that. But she got her kind of breakout in this... I remember it being quite... I don't remember it that well, but I remember it being quite a sort of charming enough, quirky, live-action animated hybrid made by... I think it was made by Disney, because it's on Disney+, Plus, obviously, for the sequel, so I presume it was Disney, um, yeah. in which she was the princess who was thrust out into the real world. And you had basically all the cynical, all the sort of patronising tropes of the Disney princess exposed to the realities of the real world, long before Frozen did it. You know, before it was cool, before Frozen did it. And, of course, she met Patrick Dempsey, who was a single dad who was dating, and the whole thing was, you know, she was going to fall for the real guy versus, you know, the fairy tale prince, who's played by James Marsden. Anyway, everybody lived happily ever after, but they made a lot of money in the process. So now Disney Plus are back with more money. And they'd like a new movie so that they can earn more money. Anyway, yeah. so it's fifty. It's fifteen years on, which I think means this takes place in two thousand. The original was two thousand seven, and uh, our happily ever after involves you know uh, Princess Patrick Dempsey and the kids in suburbia. Effectively, um, she wonders if their lives have kind of lost that spell. She literally casts an actual spell that then goes horribly wrong, Shrek forever after style, and. It, it's more of the fun. I'll be really honest. I didn't get a chance to actually watch this because Disney Plus's screening link system would not let me log in. Uh, oh, not no. even kidding. So, but I don't want to leave people hanging. So let's at least have a listen to it. So this is from Disenchanted, which is on Disney Plus today. They did give me the chance to watch it, but for some reason the system wouldn't let me in. But you know what? Where technology fails, allow the magical kingdom to entertain you instead. Congratulations on the increasing size of your progeny. Thank you, thank you. Uh, your dwelling, uh, are you poor now? Edward! No, we're not oh, poor. Oh, it's, it's what they call a fixer-upper. Yeah, it's... Ah, weird. I see, a fixer-upper. Yes, once your peasants have dug out the moat and added a turret and a balcony from which you can sing, bathed in the light of a forgiving moon. I see it now. Okay, and on that note, I'm off. Hi. <laughs> It's definitely got that kind of warm Disney hug to it, I would say. Yeah, I was looking forward to seeing because I remember quite liking the original. But uh, as I say, love you, I will watch it, of course, now that it's actually on Disney Plus, so you know, I will get that experience. And I'll now be able to double bill them, which is you know, even nicer. <laughs> but let's move on then to one that I have seen. I'm going to gush over. I'm going to tell you in advance. Um, okay. Because it's quirky and weird and unusual, and you know that, like, give me something new. That's my bread and butter. It's give me something I haven't seen. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right, I heard about this as a concept about two years ago when Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor-Joy were first cast in it. It sounded brilliant to me then and I forgot about it. And it's now here. And I'm so happy it lived up to exactly how mental that concept sounded. Right, so the idea is a young couple. He, a sort of foodie, a snotty, aspiring, you know, chef fanboy type who dines at all the the coolest five-star restaurants. He knows every chef's signature moves, you know. And she is kind of mysterious, actually. It's very obvious that she's not meant to be there. She is his date. He has specifically requested that she be there, but we're not entirely sure why. And they go along to this exclusive five-star restaurant that you have to journey to by boat because it's on a private island. It's a self-contained compound, and a lot of the food is literally made out of the ecosystem on the island. And a Michelin star next-level chef, played by Rafe Fiennes, channeling what I can only describe as Gordon Ramsay if he did American Psycho monologues before every single course serves them one course at a time over the course (laughs) of an evening but more than serving them a meal he is in fact serving them a harsh lesson on reality itself it is dark, it is weird, it is twisted, it's directed by Mark Millode who I didn't even know had this in him because he was a jobbing TV director as far as I knew. Have a listen to what happens when one of the guests decides to try and leave. We're leaving now. I have have to get my wrap. Forget your wrap. Get out. Mr. Libra? We're leaving. Is something wrong? We're leaving. There is no boat to leave on. Then I'll call a helicopter. That would be very difficult without phone service. move. Do what they say. No, I can't. I'll I'll handle this. With which hand, Mr. Liebrandt? What? With which hand will you handle this, left or right? What the f are you saying? Shall we choose? Choose what? Very well, left hand. Ring finger. Let me out. Let me out. No! Someone has to die in this. from, From listening to that, there's got to be some death. Mate, so many people die in this. It's uncanny. Um, I love this. It is so good. Like, this is just... Oh, this is all sorts of twisted and weird. But in that very restrained, civilised way, think of Haneke's Funny Games. Have you ever saw Funny Games with the, the two weird kids in the tennis whites who basically mm-hmm. take a family hostage in their their home? There's Obviously, there's, there's two different versions. There's the original language version, the English language remake, both made by the same guy, weirdly. I kind of prefer the English one. I'm odd in that way. But uh, Tim Roth, what can I say? Um, but this has a lot of that vibe going for it. It's a lot of the, like, well, like, politely, within, like, the confines of human behaviour, what do you do here like what what move do you make like if this is you in this position like what seriously are you and the film just ratchets up those stakes it reminded me a lot of of cheap thrills as well really great low budget sort of indie horror movie that you might find on amazon plus uh just i thought this was a really solid time but at the core of it all is Ray Fiennes, who is just having a blast. Like, fair play to him. He is having a ball here. Um, I also want to uh, single out Hong Chao as Elsa. You heard her in the clip there as effectively kind of the number two, or is it the sous chef? What is the number two? I don't forget what the number two of the kitchen is. Yeah, that is the sous Um, chef. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as the sous chef, who is just, again, just chewing the scenery. And she's in uh, The Whale, the upcoming Darren Aronofsky, uh, Brennan Fraser movie. 
I can't, and, and I'm now more excited for that because I, I, I really love her in this, and she's so threatening and menacing and weird and likable at the same time. All of the things that Ray finds is channeling. Um, Nicholas Holt plays uh, again. Sorry to say it, but an arsehole, and he does it quite well. He's, he, and it's just fun watching him go from like the airs and graces to arsehole, to be honest, in, in rapid time and doing it completely believably and well and likably and just engaging and charmingly. Um, I also liked Anya Taylor-Joy in this. Um, but shout out to MVP. And he's MVP purely because he showed up and that's all he needs to do. And I'm, of course, <laughs> talking about Johnny Legs. John Leguizamo turns up in this as this full-of-himself, pompous, faded movie star. Effectively, John Leguizamo. And I love it for it. Chef's kiss, pun intended. This is brilliant. This is just carnage candy. It's an absolute riot. It keeps you uh, on the edge of your seat with suspense, but you'll also laugh and be really taken in by the sort of funny, the, the quirkiness and, and the sort of humor of it as well. Um, just an absolute four and a half to five star time. I loved this. Um, I will say that four star, four star to five star. You know, I will say. I mean, for most people, I think this might be four. For me, five. I yeah, quick chow down. Absolutely, just order the fish. Absolutely, just partake in this venue absolutely my ringing endorsement five stars you know what you've, you've sold it to me and what it r- reminds me of slightly and i can't remember the name of it what was the netflix series in korea with the game and where they had to play the game the squid game squid, the squid game thing the one squid they're now game. making actual, yeah 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 yes. that, it yeah. kind of re- sounds a little bit like that to me and you've sold it to me i mean i i want to watch it so um less squid it. game more squid course how about that <laughs> brilliant well that's the menu and that is in cinemas from today so still to come surprise surprise one i've watched we are going to be reviewing <laughs> slumberland in just a moment and also meet cute so stay right where you are see you in a minute and we are back and as i said earlier more brand new movies out this week um and i'm really excited about this one because it's one i actually found time <laughs> to watch this week as a preview uh slumberland out on netflix from today before i say a word about this i'm going to hand over to uh, to you van to give your uh, your review on it what what on the one time you actually can can, can lead on the hand of fair enough. Okay, so from what I from what I can ask today for this movie, it's about a young girl who I think her father is is lost in a seemingly lost in a boating accident. She's told there's no chance that he's alive, but he's still missing, presumed, and she holds out endless hope. She finds herself almost never-ending story style, drawn into a, a new universe that's referred to as the Slumberland, that seems to exist between the waking world and the dream one that allows her to enter to other people's dreams and by going on an adventure using a map kept by her father that enables her to to seek down and track down rare gems which I think are meant to be stars um, with the aid of a wacky almost drop dead Fred like character played by a dad bodded Jason Momoa she sets out in what she hopes is a reunion across the stars with her lost dad I'll I'll play the clip for you before before we take your take Adam how about that Sure. I'm a flipping outlaw, so I don't play by the rules. But here's the rules. Rule number one, keep a low profile. You don't want to get caught messing around in other people's dreams. Trust me. If the dream pigs catch you, they will... Oh, my bad, buddy. If the dream cops catch you, they will lock you up and throw away the key. Doomed to rot in a dingy bureau prison cell for all of eternity till you cease to exist entirely. So, blend in. Yeah, because you totally blend in. 
See, I I really enjoyed this. I have to say, I think Jason Momoa's character Flip, he was brilliant. He had me chuckling away for most of the movie. Um, Nima, do you know what? I, I can't remember the actress's name who played Nima, but she Marlo, reminds me a lot of... Is she Marlo Berkeley? Marlo Berkeley? Is it Berkeley? Barkley, she reminded me of Saoirse Ronan quite a lot, actually. I actually, first of all, thought it was her in it. Um, great little actress, I thought. Um, but you kind of oh, stole my line at the start then because we obviously wrote the same thing. I put uh, a, a kind of a hybrid of never-ending story and butterfly effect almost. Um, mm. Colourful, creative. Uh, lots of adults would enjoy it as lots, as lots of kids would as well, I think. I really enjoyed this movie. I will also say, by the way, sit on butterfly effect for a moment because we're going to talk about that with the next movie. Um, but yeah, I see exactly what you mean about the uh, about, about Saoirse Ronan. She did remind me a lot of Saoirse Ronan as well. There's a, there is a sort of there's a, a some kind of a presence there. You're like oh, I kind of like Saoirse Ronan in Atonement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she physically, kind of looks like it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed um, the exploration of the brotherly relationship in this between Chris O'Dowd and Carl Chandler. Uh, I thought that was really sweet. I thought the, the father daughter relationship was quite well fleshed out. I, I I liked Jason Momoa again, kind of playing against time. But the problem I had with this is, and this is one that I think only affects people above a certain age. And I think it is a problem of contrast and comparison. I don't think a younger audience is going to have the same issue with this. I think a younger audience going to watch this and see a really great fantasy, you know, family, 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 fantasy adventure. Mm. I think if you're someone who grew up on movies like The NeverEnding Story, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, The Goonies, things like that, where there are actual fantasy worlds, and we saw these things done with Jim Henson effects and things like that, even as recently as Stardust, think about Stardust, the Matthew Vaughan one with uh, Claire Danes and Michelle Pfeiffer. I was talking about that recently today, randomly. It's interesting to see how far we've fallen on that spectrum. And this has not been done cheaply and because it's a Netflix release. And it's not been done amateurishly because it's by Frank Francis Lawrence, who did, you know, The Hunger Games. You know, Francis Lawrence. Like, this guy knows how to direct a big-budget movie. It's just very interesting how so much of it feels like it's taking place in a small, blue-screen-lined blue room. And how badly some of the chroma key works. There's some inventive visual effects in it, and it feels like it feels very. Yeah. Uh, it's very disheartening to have to take a movie to task over this, particularly now given the climate and given how we know VFX arts have been treated. But so much of this has been badly thought, thought out. So much of this is filmed with no practical element whatsoever that you feel like they have simply handed a movie over to a VFX team and said, "There you go, make our movie." And the problem is, I don't. I think the movie's overlong. I don't think it's that engaging. I certainly don't think it's up to the par of the build quality, uh, the, the the characterization of movies. Because, I mean, movies were shorter when we were younger as well. I, and I think it struggles in that regard. I think as the equivalent made for a streaming audience, you have the equivalent of something that would have been a five-star movie mm. 40 years ago that's now a three-star movie today. Despite the advent of scale and grandeur that all just feels so artificial. And to be honest, I've seen Jason Moa do more fun elsewhere. But... Like I say, younger audience is going to eat this up. I think there'll be a core element of like 10-year-old kids in particular with their parents who I think yeah. may gravitate towards it. And I think it will be the kind of thing that I think people will like more as a movie together than they would individually. Absolutely agree on that. And I think, I think like you say, a 10, 11, 12-year-olds would, would get it and understand yeah. it and love it. Any, any younger than that, I think it might be a little bit confusing for them. But for me, you know, 7 out of 10, good movie. 
which is it's fair enough. I don't think it's really aiming higher than that. I don't think anyone making this has any designs on we are the new Willow. You know, I don't think anyone's like going into <laughs> it with that. Anyway, so talking of movies that I don't think have much in the way of ambition, um, which is kind of odd because I feel like they've sold themselves a bit short on this one. Meet Cute, which arrives on Prime Video today. In fact, before we get to that, let me just talk really quickly. I want to talk about uh, The Placebo, which is, is out today, and this is on, uh, this is on uh, to, to available to buy or rent on uh, Amazon and, and Apple. And this, uh, yeah. this is low-budget, relatively low-budget, short, it's barely an hour. A film and it starts. It stars a good friend of mine. It stars Tom Colston, who is my 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 next door neighbor. Oh, you name dropper! I know, I know. Well, I'm name dropping him now because you know there's there's every like I I would actually bet folding money on like ten years from now this guy will be leading like a Netflix show about the Royals. You know what I mean? I, I could absolutely buy that. So you know I'm gonna keep I'm keep sweet now. I'm gonna plug I'm gonna plug his property because it's out today. Uh, so yeah, the placebo, uh, Sonny Dinsey's new film, uh, stars um, it stars Tom alongside uh, Drew Elston is out today to buy and rent on Apple and Amazon. Uh, I had the pleasure of going to the premiere last year and it was a good night. Absolutely worth checking out. So check that out today. Uh, let's then talk about Meet Cute, which say like, this yeah. is on Prime Video and this is a very very different. Uh, Kettlefish entirely. This stars Kaylee, and I want to say Kuwako from Eight okay. Simple Rules. She's now the Big Bang Theory uh, lady, and yeah. she's the voice of Harley Quinn on HBO Max. I know her mostly for Harley Quinn. And uh, she is a time traveler who keeps going back in time <clears throat> uh, using a time traveling tanning booth that's available in her local nail salon. And she goes back in time over and over again to relive one night on which she felt a rare connection with another person. That person was the random date that she had that night with a guy named Gary, who's played by Pete Davidson. And he's just a random guy. He has his own things going on in the world, and he's oblivious to all of this. As she comes back in time, Groundhog Day style, over and over again, to relive this one night, to see if she can just make the outcome just a little bit better than the one or ones that she's relived over and over again. I have got to come clean with you. I'm from the future. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. So how much do you use the tanning machine? Oh no, it's not a tan machine, it's a time machine. Try it, it's fun. I've spent the entire week with you, this night, seven times in a row. Wait, what'd you do with the other you from the past? But it's really cute. Okay. I'm afraid there is no time traveling movie that will ever beat Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3 for me. However, I love time traveling movies, so I quite like the sound of this one. And I totally get your reference to the butterfly effect there because essentially she's doing yep. the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I will also say, like, I mean, you know, justice for Hot Tub Time Machine with your little time travel around <laughs> there. I mean, but still. Um, so this is uh, very simply, if you were someone that enjoyed Palm Springs over the uh, various lockdowns, that we, I think it came out during one of the lockdowns that starred Andy Samberg um, as, as part of a time loop, Groundhog Day style time loop. I mean, that one was at a wedding. If you enjoyed that and the tone that it took, this is very much up your alley. Uh, effectively, this this goes more down the existential and the psychological route. I thought it was actually very moving. This is not going to be a crowd pleaser at all, and it is very steeped in 
pretty much the Andy Samberg culture in that nuanced, slightly mumblecore adjacent Andy Samberg. But in this case, Pete Davidson culture is very much one that I think fans of Pete Davidson would enjoy the tone of in addition to his presence. As in, it's very in keeping with his very particular groove. And Kaylee Kawaka, I think it's nice to see her doing something different and fitting into that group and seeing her play something I think more layered and nuanced. Certainly closer in line with The Flight Attendant that I know she's doing on, on HBO Max. I saw like half the first season of that. That seemed very steeped in the psychological thriller route. Um, I, I thought this had a lot going for it. Like I say, not going to be a crowd please, but if you're looking for an unusual date movie this weekend and you want something that's just going to be on Prime Video that you can just like just whack on streaming, Check out Meet Cute, which obviously is in reference to rom-coms and the iconic Meet Cute, how they always have like, oh, they bump heads at the you know, wrong moment. It's that. But I really, right. I, th- I thought there was a lot going on. There's a lot of layering going on. I thought this has, this has got a lot of things to shout about. I don't want to spoil too much for you, but definitely check this out. Not what you think it is. And if you're a fan of the butterfly effect and you think that would really work as a rom-com, oh, oh I got the Meet Cute for you, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you know, that's something, by the sounds of it, I would uh, I would quite enjoy, so I might give that one a go. So that's on Prime Video from today. So, um, sadly, that is all we've got time for this week. Next week, right, we are going to be looking at Bones and All. Yeah, new, new movie that reunites director Luca Guadagnino with Timothy, who can't spell it the correct way, Chalamet, which is probably why he can't spell it the same way. Um, Strange World, the new movie from Disney, is out next week. I don't know anything Ooh. about this. I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know what Strange World was. Every time I saw the news headline, I thought someone was making a reference to the Nickelodeon Star Trek series or something like that. Um, this is a new Disney movie that looks very uh, Meet the Robinsons that's out next week. Uh, Glass yeah. Onion, though, is out next week, and you know what a big fan I am of Knives Out. Um, yeah. This was the closing movie of the London Film Festival this year. I got to go to the press conference. I sat in from, directly in front of Dave Bautista. I, I, I got to you know ask questions to Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig, and it was one of the, the most surreal afternoons of my life. The film, though, I can't wait to discuss with you. However, not to take any thunder away from another big movie out next week, and there are a few, we've also yeah. got She Said next week, which is the Me Too movie. It's the story of the Me Too movement and the the, the basically spotlight-style journalistic chronicle of how the Me Too movement kind of gained prominence uh, in the press. Nanny, a new horror movie next week, and one I think you'll have some brand recognition of. Tim Minchin is back on screens. I don't know if he's ever been on screens before, if I'm being really honest, with the cinematic adaptation of Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical. So not a remake of the 97 adaptation not a new adaptation of the book but an adaptation of the musical adaptation of the Roald Dahl book from the West End <laughs> so basically yeah. lots of his very funny songs effectively so get ready for Roald Dahl meets Tim Minchin which you could have already <laughs> had on the stage show but it's now getting properly adapted for the screen and it stars Emma Thompson so what's not to love Ah, amazing. All right, looking forward to that. So all of those to come next week on Offscreen. Until then, I've been Adam Bull. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. 